Hi. Hello. Good morning, good afternoon, whatever time you're listening to this. Hey, horror huns. It's your girl, Meg. And it's your other girl slash person, B? Question mark. I don't know what day I'm <laughs> feeling. We're just going girl slash person today. All right. Fair, fair enough. I don't know about you, V, but it is colder than a witch's titty and a brass bra out here in Kentucky. Is it cold over there for you? It is fucking freezing at the moment. Like last week, it was basically pretty much nonstop rain. Yep. And, you know, lots of roads got flooded. But yeah, it, you can definitely feel that it is entering winter now. Yeah. Um, and you know, I'm not mad at it, but also like my 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 tits hurt from the cold. <laughs> I always tell Val, I'm like, oh my god, my nipples could cut glass right now. Like, Legit. Jesus Christ. Val doesn't have that <laughs> issue anymore. No, no, they don't. Um. <laughs> Well, I feel like this is like the perfect time of year to watch scary movies because I don't want to do anything but like legitimately layer up, put a little blankie around myself and just watch movies. And that's what I've been doing for the past month now. Before we get into horror news, has there been any like horror movies or a television show or something that you have latched onto in the past month? Because we really haven't talked about the stuff that we've been watching. Um, To be honest, I haven't actually been watching anything at the moment. My brain has hit full capacity. Um, So no. I've basically just been playing video games. I did, oh. I did watch Wakanda Forever. Um, that's not horror. But I really was enjoyed it, it. It was really good. It was like the perfect send off to Jadwick Boseman. So yeah, I do recommend people watching it. Um, obviously, if you're a Marvel fan, you'll understand. But even you know, if you knew of Chadwick, who played the Black Panther, it's definitely a nice send off to him. But yeah, I've pretty much just been playing video games apart from that. Have you started watching any of the playthroughs for um, The Devil and Me? I watched someone do like an hour playthrough when there was a demo out, but the YouTubers I normally watch haven't released a playthrough yet of it. So I'm kind of waiting for them, but I have heard it's like the scariest one out of the dark pictures. I love the concept from the hour my mum's drilling fantastic uh, <laughs> from the owl i saw it does look really really good and i'm very excited to play it myself as well but also watch you know someone do a playthrough of it yeah i was just asking because i've seen it on some of my socials and someone that i follow was they were like i just got done playing for seven hours and i'm like okay so it must be pretty good yeah honestly the concept of this game alone is fantastic so if you don't know like the storyline it's basically a film documentary crew um, going to this haunted house or haunted mansion <laughs> or haunted hotel I can't remember I think it's a hotel um, a haunted hotel and basically some fucked up shit starts happening well I'm down for any type of haunting stuff so that's mm. really exciting yeah I have been watching so much shit um, but I really really want you to watch a particular movie that I watch that I can't stop thinking about it's 
an 80s film called Intruder. I think I told you when I watched it. It's from 89 and it has Bruce Campbell and Sam Raimi. It's really good and it's really unique. I had seen people talk about it for years and finally I was like, all right, fuck it. I'm going to watch it. It is so good. It is a slasher set inside of a grocery store. Ah, interesting. I probably definitely will give it a watch. Yeah, I have watched so much shit, but that has been the one that I'm like, V, I want you to watch that. And maybe we can talk about it one day okay. when we record. But yeah, yeah we, I just when we do know. like a, probably a Bruce Campbell episode. Oh my God, we really should. Do <laughs> we love that episode. man too much that we haven't even <laughs> thought of that. It didn't even cross our brains until that moment. Like, we will do an episode of Bruce Campbell at some point. Just not right now. Because, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But let's get into some horror news. So, I'm going to start off with the first bit of exciting news that came out on the 17th. Um, and that is James Wan and Jason Blum are in the process of merging their production companies to create a horror movie empire. That was my horror hot goss for the week because <laughs> I like don't know how I feel about that. I look, listen, both both James Wan and Jason Blum have had massive hits but also massive blunders. So we're just increasing yeah. our chances of either getting really amazing horror films or absolutely fucking shocking <laughs> horror films. So I just feel like that's kind of a bummer because I like when there's more creative hats out on the market. Like I like when there's more to choose from. And like you said, both of them have like huge successes, but also some pretty like poopy stuff so like i don't know how i feel about that but i guess we'll see yeah Maybe, i don't know i'm not the biggest james wan fan i just feel like he beats dead horses like it just never stops with him yeah but so does jason blum that's very true like, so that's what i'm saying the like purge? this could potentially yeah that was a horse that was beaten dead years ago let's face it and i'm someone that enjoys the purge movies but i feel Mm -hmm. like they're just too repetitive like the same fucking thing over and over and over again and that's my issue with a lot of james wan stuff is like it's the same jump scares i don't need to watch your movies that come out if you're making a series because i could literally watch the first one and then know exactly what i'm gonna get with the second third fourth fifth sixth installment yeah, so it's going to be interesting. Yeah, we're going to have to see. I mean, I'm, I kind of am excited to see what they could bring out because two creative heads that have brought, as you know, The Purge and The Saw franchise, what kind of fucked up shit can they bring us? Hopefully they can bring us some better writers. Oh, hopefully. Let's, <laughs> let's hope and pray that we get something... Ooh, something good out of that but you know as we're always we're gonna hold hold our excitement go into it with um skepticism skepticism <laughs> skepticism yes. yeah we can't talk <laughs> <laughs> we'll go into it with that you know it's better to already think of disappointment than get your hopes up that's true let's see but 
my second bit of Paul Ryan news is that um, Robert England, who plays Freddy Krueger, has suggested that he would want Kevin Bacon to take over the role as Freddy Krueger. And apparently, Kevin Bacon is down for it. No. That doesn't... I don't know. That doesn't jibe with me, but... What do I know? I don't... I can't see Kevin Bacon in that role. That's what I'm saying. Like, he's a terrific actor, but, like, is he Freddy? But I just can't see him as Freddy. Like, Freddy obviously has kind of derailed the more movies that have gone on into this sort of funny character, but Mm. also still scary. And I just don't know if he could do that to Robert england level Mm. but i mean who can yeah robert england's an own beast of his own like kevin bacon that's such a weird like curveball i know that's what i thought when i saw it but if robert england thinks that you know he can take up the mantle then i think we have maybe got to trust robert england because robert england has been our freddy krueger apart from you know the remake where just give it to doug jones like, yeah. let's just do that. Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> let's just give everything to Doug Jones, shall we? <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's interesting. What else you got for me? So, my last bit of horror news, um, which is very exciting to me, um, is that the Bioshock movie director, Francis Lawrence, has said that Netflix has given him free reign, and that means he's working alongside the game's creators. Oh, then you know that that's probably going to be good. If you have the input of the original game's creator or creators, it's going to be fantastic. Or if you're a fan of the games, like we saw with the first Silent Hill film, he was a fan of the games before he made the film. And that's why it is one of the best video game to movie adaptations we've had. So hopefully with this information it means that it's going to be good yes i love when filmmakers can um confer with the actual creators when it comes to something like that whether it be a book or a video game because it just enriches the whole experience for the viewers and the people who really love it so that's awesome 100 percent. and if you get the original creators approval of what you've made then you can't go wrong really right and i have a little bit of horror news too i mean it's something that i keep bringing up that i'm angry about but salem's lot just got a fucking rating oh interesting what rating has it got it's rated r and i'm like can you just give it to us already no like no they can't no anticipation is fucking killing me no they 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 can't give it to you now why why would they do that (laughs) it hurts it hurts just like a lot of the shit that we're gonna be talking about today it hurts me because today we're gonna be talking about the so wonderful and lovely and fucking dreary works that are mike 
Fleeing again. So if you didn't already have seasonal depression, you're about to have <laughs> a little bit of extra Mike Flanagan depression on top of that, because we are about to dig into some of his shit today. Yes. So <laughs> this episode's kind of evolved into just being a Mike Flanagan episode, because we originally were just going to focus on one of his films. Um, but then he's all of a sudden out of nowhere decided he was going to make a TikTok and which is amazing 100 percent. and <laughs> we keep sending each other the exact same mike flanagan tiktok because someone yeah. doesn't look at their tiktok i send them so she sends them right back <laughs> uh not naming names here <clears throat> meg hey okay listen listen i'm i kind of have a weird thing about tiktoks i will wait until i have like a lot of them to watch and then i'll just binge watch them for like an hour Bestie, maybe we should just stop sending each other Mike Flanagan TikTok because we know we're just going to see them. <sighs> okay, that's fair enough, but it's important and I need you to see I, them. I, I know, that's why I send them to you as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so this kind of went from being a, hey, we should talk about Hush to, yeah. have you seen this Mike Flanagan TikTok to... Fuck it, let's just do a whole episode on Mike Flanagan. <laughs> Literally, we decided it the night before today when we were recording. And I was like, fuck it, I haven't actually done any research properly, but yeah, sure, let's just get in there. We've seen enough of his stuff yeah. that I think that we can fairly cover him. A hundred percent, yeah, yeah. Um, And actually him having TikTok has probably helped as well because he's given us more content to talk about. Okay, and that's the thing, is, like, all of his stuff is so sad, but he is so fucking funny. He really Like, is. I really didn't... It honestly made me appreciate him more yeah. than being on TikTok, because I'm like, okay, it's Mike Flanagan, like, I'm about to see, like, a sad horror movie. <laughs> and then he gets on TikTok, and I'm, like, cackling at all of his stuff, and I'm like, all right, well, this just made me love him even more. Yeah. Well, there's one TikTok in particular where he's talking about how he creates stuff and what drives him, and he's talking about tears. And <laughs> and he's like, this is how I created Bly Manor. And it's just, he picks up a bucket and it just has lesbian tears written on it. And I fully cackled when I saw that. It was so funny. I think we just sent each other ones about where he answered a question that somebody was like, do you intend to have the same actor in all of your stuff? And he was like, they fool me. I have weak eyes and weak ears. They've taken advantage of me. And I was like, this is so fucking funny. He's hilarious. And honestly, big ups to him for getting Katie Siegel, because now I understand. When I first saw him, I was like, how did he pull her? Like, I really need to know. Now we understand. always, it's always because they're funny. Yeah, 100%. If they're funny, they've got a good dick. End of. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that's a soundbite for sure. Oh my god, so it, this is going to be a very chaotic episode, let's just put it out there, because we haven't discussed what order we're going to talk about things, I don't have notes, Meg has notes on some, Um, we're not going to go into too in-depth on the work, because in future we may want to do deep dive episodes on particular, maybe franchises. So, I think that we should just honestly go through his filmography, and just see what we have or haven't watched um 
a little fun fact was he was born in Salem, Massachusetts. So apparently he's kind of been, you know, from birth. A spooky bitch. A spooky hoe, yeah. He <laughs> truly, truly has. Um, Which that in turn makes me say, Mr. Flanagan, why have you not given us a Salem story? I thought you were going to say Salem's lot again. I'm like, this bitch needs to let that bone go. Oh my go. god, no, 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 no. I can never let that go. Um, No, I think that he would be really good at like a witch story. Mm. I mean, I know he'll cry at the end of it, but I think that he should give it to us. Yeah. I mean, we would just have to wait and see what he has planned for the future. Because he has a lot. Like, he has done a lot in a short amount of time. He really fucking has. Like, he's been working since the 2000s. But it's only pretty much, I think, since maybe 2016, 2013, Mm -hmm. that he really fucking popped off. That he found, like, his stride. Yeah, so he... He made a short film in 2006 called Oculus Chapter 3, The Man with the Plan. And, like, his idea with the Oculus story was to make them short films and, like, kind of have more of, like, an anthology type. Mm. So he made the Chapter 3 that had the backstory to try and, you know, get it some funding. And that kind of worked because he did go on to make Oculus, but that's in 2013. He did make his first feature film by doing, like, a... Not GoFundMe, but like a like he he had people pay for it, like a Kickstarter. Yeah. Called Absentia. Um, it was his first feature film and one of the stars is Doug Jones. Oh. Love that. So like he came out swinging and I haven't gotten to watch that one, but I did add it to my watch list. I think it's on Tubi. I don't know what it is over in the UK. I haven't seen it. Oh, okay. Well, his second film, when he actually got to go back and make Oculus, um, debuted in 2013. So it was his second feature um, length film. And I watched this movie when it first came out. So I was like in middle school probably and I fucking hated it. Could you explain why? Um, I think that it's just one of those movies that's a total mindfuck. Which is probably why I didn't like it. Mm. And you don't get to have a happy ending. And, like, obviously not seeing other Mike Flanagan stuff since it hadn't come out. Like, you know, now I know as an adult, (laughs) if it's Mike Flanagan, you probably won't get a happy ending. Yeah. But it just felt, like, so over the top. I've seen it again when I was an adult. I think probably, like, 18, 19, because I was living in Texas. And I thought that it was decent. It's just not my favorite of his. You can definitely feel like he hasn't really found his stride yet with this film. Yeah. The only thing that I get really excited about is Karen Gilligan um, Oh yeah, she's in that film. in the lead is, role. Wow. And I love her so much um, mainly because she was a Doctor Who companion with Matt Smith um, <laughs> and that's how I know her and I love her. I loved her um, character, Amy Pond. So it was very exciting when I heard that she's got like pretty much a big time role in a horror film and it's like yes bitch oh work yeah i mean i enjoyed the concept it was really fucking weird but i I, at this point i don't think he's found his thing yeah mirrors are scary yeah okay yeah (laughs) but it's just like every turn you think that these characters have a one-up and then oop nope fuck you just completely derails and i'm just like why did you have to hurt us so many times? Who hurt you, Mike Flanagan? 
living in America. <laughs> That's all I've got. Probably. <laughs> That's literally all I've got. Um, the second feature film he directed, which is one of my personal favourites that I introduced you to watch, was Hush. And yeah. oh my God, what a fucking concept this film was. What a concept indeed. So Oculus was in 2013 and then Hush came out in 2016 and mm. he actually had the re-films come out in 2016. So he was like a fucking workhorse. Okay. Mm-hmm. This obviously was written by Mike Flanagan, but also had Katie Siegel writing. So not only was she the lead as Maddie, but she also helped him write and develop this story which i think is pretty cool i feel like they because they they got married um him and kate siegel um in 2016 so i feel like they probably met on the production of this film and honestly we fucking love to see it horror brings people together i really don't know where they met i probably should have looked into that but i i don't know this film is so smart i know that we've raved about this movie before but i just love that maddie's character has already had to adapt to so much with her being deaf she has to adapt to her surroundings it just adds a total extra element to a typical home invasion film yeah a hundred percent and obviously this is like one of the first films that we see like usual suspects in flanagan films Mm -hmm. so this is where we see that you know he's starting to find his people sort of thing and like you said the fact that we get a deaf protagonist in a home invasion film just make amplifies it 10 times more on the terrifying factor one home invasions are fucking terrifying in general oh my God, yeah they are but imagine not having one of your senses that you n- yeah. basically need in your everyday life to help you navigate like someone breaking in through glass or a gunshot sound or you know when someone's getting murdered outside your house and they're banging on your door but you're you you know you're you're deaf so you can't hear them just go bang 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 help me bang 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 help Uh, dead yeah but i like that they took that because a lot of the times when you have lost one of your senses whether it be like um sight or hearing or you know you have neuropathy and touch a lot of the times they say that your other senses are become more heightened. So she's already had to adapt to living in this world without being able to hear. So you see that be a component for her to take on this invader, which is really, really smart. But um, you brought up somebody, Samantha Sloyan, I think she is in some of his work. She's the redhead yes. that lives next door. That's her friend. Yeah. But isn't Maddie's character a writer? Yes. Yes, she is. So this is where we really see the, what is it called? The Flaniverse? Uh, Yeah, the Flaniverse. Begin to unfold because Maddie has written a book that goes on to be a show that Mike Flanagan creates, which is Midnight Mass. Mm, He was dropping those Easter eggs so early on. He knew what he was doing doing he was getting his he was like you want to see more of me you gotta get this (laughs) well you're gonna get some (laughs) you're gonna get some and i did google how they met um and they met during an audition for one of his movies that didn't end up happening oh 
Seagal said it was quite the audition, she recalls. Oh, <laughs> apparently there was nine pages worth of material to remember for the audition. Okay, see. So he was making her is, work. This is one of my things. He has a lot of reoccurring things in his work. We've talked about the same actors. Mm-hmm. Glowing eyes. Mm-hmm. Putting things in shadows. Mm-hmm. And the fucking monologues that we get. So I honestly, it wouldn't surprise me if she had like a two-page monologue that she had to remember no. for this audition. No. And also, I felt like one of his calling cards as well were books. Oh my god, yeah. He really does adapt a lot of literature, which I really appreciate mm. because we see that in Hill House, Bly Manor. Gerald's Game, Doctor Sleep, all of the House of Usher, like all of these things, he is definitely inspired by, yeah, by a lot of like horror literature, which Mm -hmm. I'm like fucking rock on because I don't know, it may just be because I have a bias, but books are dope. (laughs) They can be when you're not dyslexic, but audiobooks are dope. Just get some audiobooks. Yeah. Yeah. So just audible. Hey, audible. Uh, sponsor us, maybe. Uh. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> please sponsor us. Audible V needs you. I do. I really do. Please. <laughs> Did you have any other talking points for Hush? Because I know that you really fucking dig this film. I honestly, I think this was probably the second Mike Flanagan film I watched. First one was Gerald's Game, um, and then Hush. And both of them were such amazing introductions to Mike Flanagan. Um, Obviously, we're going to get to Gerald's game in a moment. But if you're going to watch anything by Mike Flanagan, I highly recommend Hush. It's probably one of his most underrated works because it's so early on in his... Well, it's not so early on in his career. But... I mean, it's his third film. Yeah, his third feature film. Like, it technically is part of, like, his earlier works. It's such amazing watch. Like, you're constantly on the edge of your seat. Like, you don't feel comfort at all once the home evasion starts. No, you are really on the edge of your seat. And something that I also really, really love, um, and this is a reason why Ty West is my favorite filmmaker, Mike Flanagan writes, directs, and edits most of his stuff so it's like these things are his baby these are his creations like he sees it through from the very first concept idea to when it's being made to also editing it because he wants to truly give the audience his vision or he's a control freak (laughs) you know you know i haven't i haven't watched a lot of mike flanagan um (laughs) interviews but i have watched (laughs) hours of Ty West interviews and yeah I mean I think that <laughs> potentially might be it but from one control freak to another I love that listen if you've got a vision for something why would you put that in the hands of someone else to fuck up exactly exactly so I do really appreciate him for that now one of the other films that um he dropped in 2016 is Before I Wake. And I actually watched that one last night when we decided that we were going to do him. You're like, And it was my first time watching. Yeah, it was my first time watching all the way through. Um, You said that you might have seen this one. I think I have. I think it was suggested to me on Netflix at some point a couple of years ago. And I was like, 
fuck it why not let's watch it not realizing obviously it's mike flanagan so let me give you like a little bit of a backstory to see if this kind of jogs your memory there is a child that is in foster care and a two parents decide that they're going to take him on because their child has passed away they're ready to be foster parents and they get this kid and his dreams start coming to life like he dreams of butterflies at first and then he dreams of the couple's dead kid and so the parents are like what is going on yes and then the mum um like keeps asking him to dream about the dead kid doesn't she yeah 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 yeah, i have seen it yeah i didn't like the mom in this movie to be quite honest yeah she definitely was using him and the dad calls her out and the dad rules in this movie and then he fucking gets eaten by the canker man and i was like are you serious are you serious right now Mm -hmm. yeah again very upset by that no happy ending no it isn't but um honestly watching this i'm like the acting leave something to be desired like i know that mike flanagan is known for having really melodramatic works but this one just kind of felt a little bit cheesy because he doesn't have his usual suspect yeah and and honestly i i didn't know if it was the writing or if it was the acting but i feel like it was mainly the lead woman Mm. that was in it um so honestly it really could have been but I feel like in this movie is where he really starts to, like, get his stride of doing the reoccurring things because, like, he's putting weird things in the shadows. Mm-hmm. He has the glowing eyes. Yeah. Which we see in, like, all of his work. But mm-hmm. honestly, this movie really triggered my fight or flight instinct because this movie had a lot of people with just no eyes. Yeah. Like, not like the glowing eyes, but like where they're just black holes, you know? Yeah. Mm, that shit fucks me up. My brother made me watch like a movie when he was babysitting me when I was young and the people just had no eyes and directly after the movie, he just turned out the lights and it was like bedtime. And I'm like, they're right there. Can you not see them? They can see me even though they don't have eyeballs. I'm terrified. <laughs> oh my God. I'm not laughing at your misery. It's just the way you explain it is funny. But I feel like this movie and probably a lot of his works are just, you know, him healing his inner child. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Now, the third movie that he came out with in 2016 is Ouija, The Origin of Evil, which I also watched last night. I haven't watched it, but I heard it's better than the first one. That it was definitely really- is better than the first one. Um, I think that he brought in some key players in this one i know that in his like in oculus it was annalise i think her name is bazo and he also brought in what is her name elizabeth reeser i thought that this movie was pretty dope he kind of just said what if i took that other story that i did you know um before i wake where the people didn't have eyes and just boom flipped it where they have white eyes and like really scary stretched out mouths and you know me i love a good demonic paranormal movie like that shit's my jam mm-hmm. and this movie kind of impressed me not gonna lie i thought that what? it was fresh i do respect him because v he do be killing some kids in this movie Fuck yeah! Oh my god. I mean, he... Kind of. Kind of. You'll have to watch it and let me know. But with a demonic story, I don't understand how he still had time to, like, put in the saddest shit ever. Like, watching both of these, I'm like, 
this movie and before I wake, like, I'm already depressed, man, but Jesus Christ, you just bummed me out even fucking more. Mm-hmm. If there's one thing, like, Flanagan's good at is giving people depression. That is fucking true. <laughs> that is really fucking true. So, I do recommend just watching it. I mean, just put it on when you're, like, working or something. I mean, okay. it's not, like, reinventing the wheel, but it's not horrible. Okay. Interesting. I will probably have to give it a watch then. Because they have been on my list and I've just never got around to them. But if you say it's worth a watch, then I'll watch it. Just can't promise when. <laughs> it doesn't go with the Flaniverse. Like, I really didn't pick up on any key points that would lead to another thing. But... I think because it is a sequel to a film that he wasn't a part of. I don't right. think we can count this as part of the Flaniverse, let's face it. On Netflix, I think it says part of the Flaniverse, but I think that they just put that over all of his works. Yeah. Netflix is just a marketing bitch at the moment, aren't they? So <laughs> I would say this is probably not part of the Flaniverse because it's not his original work. Yeah. So the next film that he came out with is, I think you said one of the first films that you watched of his, and that's Gerald's Game in yes. 2017. Yes, it was one. It was the first one, I think, of his stuff that I did watch. And I think I did watch it in 2017. Or 2018. I watched it very close to when it did come out. Again, it's one of my favorites. Yeah, I watched this movie when around when it first came out too. And I have a movie club with Trevor where we'll show each other movies that we think the others should watch. And the first movie that I showed him was Gerald's Game. I feel like this is where we're really getting into the good shit. I'm not saying that his other stuff is not good. But Gerald's Game is so intense. Right? Part of that, I feel like, is because it heavily focuses on one character, one setting. I mean, obviously, we have flashback scenes, but you really have to be able to, like, drive the actor in a movie without it being too monotonous when it's something like this. And I thought that he did a really good job doing that. Yeah. A hundred percent. Like, normally when a film has got limited characters... You get kind of worried, like, is this actually going to be good? Like, can these actors hold their own in this film? And, oh my god. I was absolutely mesmerized by the performance of... Hold on, get her name. Carla Jugina. Yes, as Jessie. And then Bruce Greenwood as Gerald. These two actors played off each other fantastically and held the scenes, especially when we get to a very gruesome scene where Jessie um, pulls her hand out the handcuff. Mm, the degloving scene. Mm. God, yeah. And then obviously we got the Moonlight Man. Is that his name? Oh, fuck. That character really stressed me out. The way that they visualized him was so freaky. Mm. It just took an even scarier concept and just added to it. Like, what if you can't escape, but there really is something lurking in the shadows, which he loves to do. So obviously this is based on a Stephen King novel. That came out in 92. And um, Stephen King called the film hypnotic, horrifying, and terrific after just watching the rough cut. So it got the Stephen King seal of approval. Which is kind of hard to do. Yeah. Stephen King's a hard man to impress. 
Yeah, so I mean, I love him for taking on a Stephen King um, work and just making it so much better than what it already was. And I really fucking respect him for that. But also taking on a Stephen King work so early on in your directorial career. Yeah, because he's really only been doing it for like six years at this point. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He's so, like, fuck it, I'm gonna do it. Mm-hmm. So props to him because this uh this film, fantastic. Ten out of ten recommend you guys watching. Um, along with Hush. Yes. Now I am gonna have a little bit of bias toward this next movie that he came out with, which is coincidentally another Stephen King movie, which I mean he just said wham bam thank you, ma'am. I'm going to write and direct Doctor Sleep, which came out in 2018. And this movie is so fucking rad. You know how I feel about The Shining. Okay. I... Yes. I thoroughly enjoyed Doctor Sleep. I loved it. So I'm actually in the process of reading Doctor Sleep right now, and I'm loving it. I just never had gotten around to reading it, um, but I love the movie. And... I really love the story of The Shining, and I really cannot wait for us to do a whole episode on The Shining, because it is so different than the Kubrick film. So I think that it's just remarkable that one of my favorite directors got to take on this sequel, because the studio that it was originally with gave it to, I think it's his name is... Where's Hugh when we need them? <laughs> Avika Goldsman writing, mm. but the movie never took off. So they replaced Goldsman as the writer and gave it to Flane again. And then he was able to turn around and direct it. And this movie elicited a lot of emotions for me. Um, the book is really heavy. Um, and I feel like he was able to create these characters and really make them jump off the pages from Dan's alcoholism to Rose the Hat's really cunning slyness. Like, a lot of these points that are in the book, he really brought to the big screen, and I I love him for that. Mm, yeah. Um. Obviously, we know that King did not like The Shining film. Um, mm-hmm. He made he's made that very clear. Um, do you know how he felt about Doctor Sleep? Did he enjoy it? Yeah. So Doctor Sleep is not an a hundred percent true to the story adaptation, but Stephen King did like it. Okay. Because it was actually a sequel to Kubrick's Shining film. Mm. And that film strays so far from the path of the book. Um, But he was able to have the heart of Stephen King's story while still being able to pay tribute to the Kubrick's vision. Yeah. I mean, you get like the hallway scene, you get a lot of really intense matching. Yeah, Mm. and callbacks. And... From what I've seen, Stephen King really liked it, and so did a lot of the critics and Stephen King fans, but it just didn't do well at the box office, which is such a shame. Mm. Like, it makes me so sad. Yeah. The budget for this film was $55 million, and it produced um, $72.3 million. Mm. Yeah. It's just one of those things that was the marketing correct for it? Were the right people Probably watching not. it? Were people thinking that it was going to be from the books and not you know a sequel to Kubrick's film there are a lot of factors in play as to why this film 
could have failed. But as I've made it very clear, I did not enjoy Kubrick's Shining. I don't know what it is about it. I just don't like it. But Doctor Sleep, I enjoyed a lot more. And I think that is due to Mike Flanagan, to be honest. Yeah, and I said it was in 2018. It's actually 2019, but... Yeah, 2018. We skipped over his work in 2018 because I feel like we're going to go back and talk about the TV shows. TV shows, yeah, yeah. From what I remember about the marketing of this movie, it really isn't a lot, and I feel like they really failed to drive home the point that it is a sequel to The Shining because I feel like if a lot more people saw it as a sequel to The Shining, they would have been like, oh, shit, like oh shit, I gotta go see that because, I mean, even though Stephen King doesn't like it, Stanley Kubrick's Shining has a fucking chokehold on film watchers. So I mean, and I will say that he had a really terrific cast in Doctor Mm -hmm. Sleep. I mean, I just from the the third of the book that I've made it through with... I thought that Ian McGregor was a really good choice. Um, Ewan McGregor, he's he's Ewan McGregor. He's Obi Wan fucking Kenobi, bitch. <laughs> yeah. No, honestly, I mean, Ewan McGregor is such a fantastic actor. I have such a love for him, and not only because he was Obi Wan Kenobi, but he was in Moulin Rouge. I've never seen that movie. I it's musical. I loved him in Moulin Rouge, um, but also he was in Train Spotting as well, which is like a very big British film. So I think he's fantastic. And him as an older Danny Torrance and really portraying the trauma that Danny went through mm, is, mm, was fantastic. I just love him so much. Yeah. So if somebody is sleeping on Doctor Sleep, see what I did there? <laughs> um, <laughs> um Definitely give it a try. It's so, so good. And I'm definitely going to rewatch it after I finish the book. I don't know. I really love this movie. And obviously, I'm a sucker for Stephen King. So it just makes me happy that he's really done Stephen King's work justice because we've seen it several times where his stuff just doesn't get adapted correctly. I mean, even Stephen King tried to adapt his own work into a film. And that didn't turn out correctly, did it, Eva? You know, but we do have <laughs> gems like, you know, Misery, Doctor Sleep, mm. and shit. So his Gerald's stories game. have, yeah, we have so much potential and a lot of his stuff. And I applaud Mike Flanagan for taking on such a big horror icon's work and making them mm. his own unique vision, but still holding true to what these authors yeah. put in their pages. Yeah. I could I could see him doing a Misery remake, to be honest, Mike Flanagan. Listen, I need someone to do a true adaptation of Misery. I'm not saying that Kathy Bates's Annie Wilkes was not iconic because it was, but I want to see Paul Sheldon's fucking foot get cut off. And Mike okay. Flanagan would be the one to do it. You know, that's fine by me, baby. <laughs> So let's get into his TV shows because he hasn't made any other movies, although I will say he has a movie that's to be announced called The Season of Passage, which he has written and directed and is a producer, but it's yet to have much information. So you want to get into the TV shows? Obviously, I want to get into the TV shows because this is where his career really pops off, let's face it. 
This is where his career pudicy gets yeah. broken wide open mm-hmm. with the haunting of Hill House in 2018. Uh-huh. And, oh my god, what a way to properly introduce yourself to the world. The acting in this TV show, miniseries, is just fucking phenomenal. Like... And this is where we really see all his usual suspects come together. Yeah, I have been watching Mike Flanagan's works since Oculus in 2013. I just didn't really know that it was Mike Flanagan until Hill House came out. And then I was like, holy fuck, I got to go back and watch all this (laughs) stuff. And then I was like, hold on, wait, I have seen other things from him. Mm -hmm. This television show really had a huge impact on me. It came to me in a time of my life where I wasn't expecting a Netflix show to have like such a punch to me but it really did yeah the chokehold this tv series had on me when it came out fucking hell it was it pulled me in so many different directions emotionally I was terrified. I was sad. I was crying. I was happy. And then I was depressed again and crying again. And I just, I couldn't, I I didn't know when to relax because there was always something in the shadows or there was something happening in the light. Like, and it was just like trying to figure out what exactly was happening at Hill House. And oh my God, it was just perfect, like beautifully adapted again from a book that, we're we're hoping to do an episode on at some point it's just gonna be a while i was gonna say it's probably gonna be within the next couple months because i feel like his adaptation really brought a different light to the hill house story and i want to dissect that later when we dig really deep into the whole property of like the haunting of hill house but his characters that he put into this show were so intricate It felt like he had legitimately a lifetime of sadness behind him when he wrote the character of Nellie. Her character is so full of sorrow and mental illness and her character is a lot. And I feel like he brought that aspect of her character to this television series better than any other adaption has. Because after watching this, I went and I read the book. And then I went and watched both of the movie adaptations. I watched the show again. It's completely different from the book. So when we cover the book, do not expect it to be The Haunting of Hill House that you know from Mike Flanagan. Because he took Shirley Jackson's concept the bones of it the character structure of nelly and built an entire different world around it it works because it keeps that central character of nell but makes it something completely different and honestly i would be really fucking interested to know what shirley jackson would have thought of his adaptation because it is so vastly different from her story Mm. yeah i just this it's just such a sad show yeah. And it's such a sad book too. <laughs> yeah. And even though you get kind of a happy ending at the end. Do you? Yeah, exactly. Do you, do you really? Because everything you've watched up to that final scenes, you you just know that what ha- has happened is gonna stay with them forever and they're they're never gonna be the same again. 
you see like that is such a a reoccurring um thing in hill house that we the audience didn't know in the beginning that all of this obviously has led up to this final point Mm. of the bent neck lady and how we got to that that everything that she has gone through in the past has led up to this one moment whether she wanted it to happen or not she had no control over that like you feel such a gut punch when the final episode comes that you're just like I can't believe that all of the sadness that I have watched up until this point has just culminated into this like waterfall of emotions in the yeah. final episode. A hundred percent, yeah. And uh, Mike Flanagan does such a fantastic job at focusing on everyone's demons, like every single character's yeah. demons. No one, none of the characters with none of the siblings are overshadowed they all have their moment it sounds really fucking weird to say but moment to shine and when we get to see their true demons come from i still think about it now like just the ending as well like how they figured out like how like how their mum died how nelly died um their dad sacrificing himself to the house and how how it's a it's it's not just nell it was passed down to her it is which is something that's really interesting and i can't wait to talk about when we get to our haunting of the yeah. house and i don't want to go too far into it because i yeah. have so many thoughts and feelings about it but like you said he took his time he was delicate with these characters he wanted to make sure that we had some sort of emotional connection with them so we he could elicit this emotional response from us so we could rip our hearts out and stamp on it exactly what a fucking asshole right (laughs) what a genius asshole (laughs) now i will say that he got to create um this netflix series called the haunting which I think you've seen The Haunting of Bly Manor, which is his yes. next one that dropped in 2020, right? Yes, I had watched it because obviously Hill House had me in such a chokehold when um, it was announced that he was going to make um, Haunting of Bly Manor. I was all I was already like fully prepared to get my heart ripped out again, and you know what? I did. I did. My heart got stamped on into a million pieces once again. It had the same emotional reaction that Hill House gave me. Um, and probably more some because <sighs> there are some characters that you got so attached to and then you realise that actually, no, this, this, this character is dead. This is a ghost you've been watching for, for the whole season, basically. And it's so mm-hmm. heartbreaking. But uh, Victoria Peresi as Danny did a fantastic job. Uh, Oliver Jackson Cohen as Peter, again, did a fantastic job. Uh, but we had a new introduction to the usual suspects. And that was Rahu Kohli, who I absolutely fucking adore because he was an eye zombie. And I fucking love that show. Yeah, he's fucking hot. Yes, um, he is. Yeah, he is. 
I have not watched The Haunting of Bly Manor. I know, shocker. Shocker. Yeah, so I read the novel Turning, or novella, I should say, um, called Turning of the Screw, which is what this is based on, and it fucking sucked. Mm. Like, it was so boring. So it's just been in my watch list, and, like, I definitely will get around to watching it at some point, but I was just like... "Mm." I know I'm gonna be fucking emotionally damaged from this show, <laughs> and I you, didn't like the original storyline. So yeah, <laughs> no, you're. I think this was again one of an amazing piece of work by him, uh, especially that he centered a woman love woman storyline as well with um Danny and Jamie. Um, yeah. and again, which we saw in in Hill House too. I yes, mean, Theodora's character yes. is inherently written as a lesbian storyline. But yeah, I do appreciate the yes, the I I hundred percent appreciate the LGBT representation in these shows because especially in Hill House, um, gay characters um don't always get happy endings um and it is nice to see when they do however i will say um don't expect this to be a happy ending uh yeah <laughs> <laughs> but uh, as you haven't watched it i'll say too much more but there are some scenes that really fucking stick with you um especially the lady in the lake um who is played mm. by kate siegel who the character's name is actually Viola, but she's the lady in the lake. And it's fucking terrifying. And he hides even more ghosts in the dark. So watch out for that. That's what I'm saying. Even in, like, Before I Wake, from his early works, he had the glowing eyes. He had the hiding things in the shadows. He has this certain... Je this certain quoi. rhythm. Yeah, this rhythm, je ne sais quoi... That he knows what's scary. He knows that when you're in bed at night and you're in the dark and you see something that looks like the shape of a person, but you turn around and it's like a shirt on a chair or something. He knows that dark part of your mind, even if it's just a subconscious thing that happens. He knows how to manipulate that. Mm -hmm. And I fucking love that. And all of his works are really pretty, which... I appreciate because that's like my type of horror. I love when it's pretty, but also fucking frightening. Yeah. And he has a way of doing that. Now, his next show. Oh, yeah. I think we've both seen the 2021 show that is Midnight Mass. Yes. No comment, V? (laughs) Listen, I enjoyed the storyline. Okay. Okay. However, I felt like it was very quiet for the first i think five episodes i was about to say six and a half episodes it's seven episodes long so i would i know so it was six and a half episodes (laughs) yeah six and a half episodes of buckle and then literally all of a sudden everything happened at once and even though yes we were getting built up to it it felt like the build up was slow and the reveal was so quick. I am a fan of slow burn movies. 
when they're done correctly. I do not appreciate the payoff that Midnight Mass gave us. And I'm just going to come out and say it. I fucking hate this show. (laughs) I'm sorry, Mr. Flanagan. I am a huge fan. I really am. But this show was horrible for me. I did not enjoy, like, any of it. I did enjoy parts, bits and bobs here and there. Um... And obviously, it was nice to see Rahul again. Um, and okay, I was gonna say that was like the oh, like he was the only thing that saved this show. But even his character was not strong enough to shoulder the entire disappointment I felt after completing <laughs> the seven episodes. I I I get that, but it was nice that this was obviously a very religious heavy TV show where religion played a very big part in the overarching, you know, story. And normally, you know, I have, I don't really watch those kinds of things because I personally am not religious. Um, Meg as well um, is also not religious as well. So when it comes yeah. to religion being shown in TV shows, um, I did enjoy Christianity getting demonised though. Um, and... <laughs> Hopefully, showing that Christians will force their beliefs on you, even when you tell them, "No, I'm not Christian." Like Rahu's character, Sheriff Hassan, uh, was very open and vocal that, "No, I'm not Christian. I don't believe in what you believe, but respect that." And they didn't. Um, but one of the scenes that probably sticks with everyone the most is um riley's death scene on the boat oh fuck yeah with erin um that scene is probably one of the most beautifully haunting scenes i've watched yeah i i think that the reason why i didn't like this movie or this series is because the beginning of it really felt like salem's lot like the whole like something is wrong here i don't know, quite know what's wrong here but we got to figure it out and so it kind of just felt like a salem's lot ripoff but like make it more religious and i will say that i know that midnight mass was a really personal thing for him to work on because he was brought up like in the catholic church it was him commenting on his alcoholism and his sobriety and then his decline from his catholicism into him being an atheist so i do see those underlying tones in this show i just don't think that the slow burn was executed properly Mm. and I know that we've talked about him using the same kind of structure to a lot of his stories, but the long monologues that we got in this show Mm. felt forced. Yeah. I know that Hill House had some, but they felt more natural and more, I don't know, it fit the characters more. And I, yeah, and I don't know if it was the actors or if it was the material. Mm. But I know that he continuously works with actors that are phenomenal and everything else. So it kind of leads me to believe that it was the material. Yeah. I just feel like he needed to release all of these feelings about his religion, his alcoholism. And it came out in Midnight Mass. And I just don't like 
what came out, which is crazy because I should because I fucking love vampire stories. Mm. I am not religious, so I should like it. It just didn't work for me. Yeah, maybe we sh- maybe we need to revisit it later down the line. Like, give it five years, rewatch it, and see potentially if our minds change. But at the moment, I agree with you. I don't think Flanagan can do slow burn. No offense, Mike. Can I call you Mike? Um, no offense. <laughs> um, it's just it felt like Sank was off. It didn't yeah. feel like him. Which which is crazy because Midnight Mass is the book that Maddie wrote. So he has been kind of culminating on this since he did Hush um back in 2016 and this didn't come out until 2021. I mean, we even saw the book in Gerald's game that she grabbed that was up there or yeah. was up on that shelf was yeah. Midnight Mass. He's had this idea for so long. I just wish that it gave me something more than it did. But maybe that was the issue, is that he's had it for so long and he's wanted to make it for so long. It just, it it potentially, he maybe felt so much pressure to do this story justice for himself and potentially it didn't do it. I would love, I would love for Mike to, you know, maybe post a TikTok or an interview as to how he truly felt, how he made Midnight Mass. Um, But I think when you want something for so long and you can eventually do it, it doesn't turn out how you envisioned it for so long in your brain, if that makes sense. I mean, or maybe it did and it just wasn't wasn't what we wanted but i do know this show had a fucking chokehold on people because of father paul hill um everybody was obsessed with the hot priest which i didn't think that he was that hot i was looking at rahul the whole time (laughs) i was like can we get more scenes with him please? can we get more Um, rahul please Now, I will say the angel slash vampire slash demon slash whatever the fuck you want to call it at the end, when he came out at um, Riley, that was intense. Mm -hmm. That is a scene that stuck with me. But the whole, like, church slaughter and everything, I just felt like you're giving this to me now. Like, I don't know. I just was not... I feel like I should have liked it so much more than I did. So I, I just look back at Midnight Mass and I'm disappointed. Yeah, I do agree with you on that. And that's... It hurts me to say that. Yeah, but, I know. Exactly. Yeah. But we can't like everything that somebody does, right? I mean, if we did, then he would be Ty West. And that's just not the case. V <laughs> yeah. says... Hey, look, we've covered, like, all of our favorite modern directors except for him. I think that he's next up on the docket. Mm, true. Yeah. Yeah. V, honestly, you could just, like, be here and I could just talk into yeah. the mic for two hours. I could go. So, uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. I'll just make you a soundboard. You you can just record it yourself <laughs> and I'll just give you a soundboard to go me. Uh-huh. Wow. That's so interesting. <gasps> Fuck you. <Wow. laughs> 
Now, this next show that just released this year in 2022, I haven't gotten a chance to watch, but I know that you have watched The Midnight Club, and we've kind of talked about it briefly, but man, he did it all for this movie, that series. He was the creator, director, writer, editor, executive producer. He put his whole pedisi in that, right? Yes, yes. He directed two episodes. He directed the first and second episode, um, but he was um, part creator um, on this, and um, with Leah, Leah, Leah Fong, Fong. I don't know. Um, but um, he's collaborated with this person on Blind Manor. Um, so this is someone he's worked with before. It, it was really good. It was really good. I will say that. Um, don't go into it thinking that you're gonna get Hill House or Blind Manor because you're not. Yeah. Because this is it's a- not a haunting. Yeah, this is a young adult TV show because the book is a young adult book. Um, so it's not going to be, you know, the most terrifying thing in the whole entire world, but it is signature emotional damage you get. Um, oh, great. Love that. <laughs> That's why I've been avoiding it. I can't take any more emotional damage. The the actors, um, the young adult actors, some of them, it was their first um, acting job. Um, Ruth Codd, it was, I believe, her first proper introduction into oh, cool. being in a TV show. Um, I knew her from TikTok. She was very big um, during lockdown TikTok, um, and I followed her. Maybe that's how he got her on. Maybe. He's been watching her TikToks. Um, because she's very open about um, why she had one of her legs amputated. Um, and her character she plays, Anya, it plays into her storyline of having a missing leg. Um, and basically, if you don't know the premise of The Midnight Club, um, it's basically a bunch of teenagers who are in a hospice. Um, because they've got terminal illnesses you know they go off they they spend time being around you know kids that around their age with also terminal illnesses and at midnight they all meet in the library and one of them tells a scary story and each night spooky yeah each night um basically you see one of the characters tell a story and it gets acted out so you can visually see the story they're telling but there's also the stories going on in like the day yes. so it's so it's more of like an anthology series that does have like an an undercurrent of I would, I would another say story that, yeah i would say that's a very fair assumption because uh their their stories aren't connected that they tell at the midnight club and then obviously during the day there there is an overarching story which i won't say too much about but there is a cult involved Mm, okay interesting it is a very good watch just don't expect it to be blood gore guts his stuff normally isn't yeah blood gore guts yeah let me rephrase that then um there's not anything hiding in the shadows. Okay. Interesting. Well, I'm definitely going to give it a watch at some point. I just mentally can't. No. I don't think you can at that the right moment. Now. No, 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 no. Trust <laughs> me, babes. You would, you you said, would 
get toppled over the edge. Oh, I'm already there. I've already gone over the edge. Um, (laughs) But I am super excited for his next show, The Fall of the House of Usher, which is going to be an adaptation of an Edgar Allan Poe short story. Notoriously, I'm kind of like... Mm, About Edgar. About people... No, I do like Edgar Allan Poe's works. I really, truly do. But I'm hesitant when people adapt things, especially a TV show, from a short story. Because there's not a lot to go off of. So, But I, I will say, we've seen him do it before. We have seen him take a story keep the meat and bones of it but create something completely his own so i'm interested in that um because i mean edgar Allan poe is the og spooky king mm-hmm. so yes i'm interested yes and rahul will be back apparently for all eight episodes and mark hamill will be joining oh my god i fucking know i'm so excited i love mark hamill so much so yes um and Ruth Codd, who was in the Midnight Club, is also joining the cast as well. So it's got a stacked cast, like it really, really does. So I'm yes. super freaking excited for it. I'm happy that we just decided to go for it and just talk <laughs> about all of his works because they're amazing. And what's even more amazing are his TikToks, especially yes. the ones of Rahul um doing karaoke. So oh my- if you were listening to us and you're a fan of Mike Flanagan and a fan of Rahul's face mm-hmm. definitely go watch him do karaoke on I think it's Flanagan film is that his TikTok hold on and let me just check quickly I mean I'm sure if you just um search Mike Flanagan he'll come up but yes um Flanagan film is his TikTok name but I'm sure if you just search Mike Flanagan he'll come up anyway um but hundred percent he is using tiktok the right way and i'm here for it honestly i can't wait for him to post a new one (laughs) i know honestly we need to make a horror huns tiktok but i'm so bad at making tiktoks i'm bad at social media and you know my favorite social media is crumbling thanks elon musk you Mm. stupid fucking asshole who knows by the time this episode comes out twitter might no longer be around (laughs) But if you want to give us a follow until it's demise, hey. our Twitter is, it's at HorrorHuntsPod, right? Yep. Correct. And um, if you want to follow us on Zuckerberg's meta Instagram, <laughs> it's at HorrorHuntsPodcast. Um, so just give us a follow if we do end up flushing Twitter down the toilet. You know, you can find us on other shit yeah i'm sure there'll be another social media website that comes um bring back myspace oh my god yes bring back myspace maybe maybe we should make tumblr cool again tumblr was so much work like even if i was like leaving for like a day to go to school or something i'd be like oh i gotta go set my queue i never did that (laughs) i just did it while i was at school because i had my phone But yeah, I'm glad that we talked about Mike Flanagan um, as depressing as it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I think that he's one of our favorite current creators just because he's able to 
take horror and make it melodramatic but beautiful but still scary. Yeah, a hundred percent. I he's it's like a drama horror, essentially. Yeah. And he really, really gets you to emphasize with the characters that are on screen. Yeah. And then yeah. crush you into a million pieces by killing the fucking characters. Yeah, we're Another one of our favorite filmmakers, Jordan Peele, makes you really think with his works. Mm -hmm. Mike Flanagan really makes you feel with his works. And so I appreciate him for that. Yeah. But also, fuck you for that. (laughs) Yeah, 100%. Just just keep what you're doing. doing. Um, Let's not have a repeat of Midnight Mass. Please and thanks. Please, God. I'm scared. I don't want any... (laughs) Look, it really pained me to just say... Just even type... I fucking hated that show, but it hurt me to type I fucking hated that show because pretty much everything else I've been a huge fan of. Mm -hmm. Um, He's definitely an underrated horror filmmaker, TV maker, um, content creator. And I feel like with The Haunting of Hill House and now Midnight Club, he's getting the credit that he deserves and i'm so glad because we've been a fan of his for a while Mm -hmm. even if we didn't know it yeah 100 percent. and if you take anything away from this um it's we suggest you watching his earlier work for sure yeah and um like when i was at that vendor show like this person was like i love oculus and i'm like well have you seen hill house and they're like yeah and i'm like well, have you seen this other thing by Mike Flanagan? And they're like, yeah. I just don't think that people recognize him, his name, but I f- definitely feel like horror fans recognize Mike Flanagan's name mm-hmm. now. As they should. That man deserves praise, especially for marrying Kate Seagull. Yeah, because she is, wow, extraordinary. Yes. Um, v, do you have any final thoughts for today's episode? Mike, Mike Flanagan, Mikey, Mr. Flanagan. Mikey um, baby. Big M. Um, <laughs> uh, we, we appreciate the TV shows, but could you maybe give us um, another film? That would be great. Um, maybe another Stephen King film. Ooh, who knows? Eh, please. Eh. Could you give us a witch movie? Oh, I would yeah. love a witch movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Please, 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 sir. Please. Maybe have some more. Um. <laughs> V, I do have a final thought for you that I would like you to sit and let it ruminate and culminate in your brain. Um, the kitten before I wake said that his favorite pizza was pineapple pizza. So, haha, fuck you. I got another player on my team. Fuck you. I'm stopping here. <laughs> fuck! <laughs>